welcome back to Writing Off the Deep End. My name is Jeffrey Edwards. And I'm Mary Thaler. And today we're going to do something we haven't done. We, we've done all these episodes. Mm-hmm. We haven't actually shared what we actually write. Yeah, we've talked about the writing, but we haven't done the writing itself. So we thought we would do something maybe slightly different from traditional. Instead of me reading my work and Mary reading her work, She's picked some pieces out of my work to read, and I've picked some pieces out of her work to read. So Mary's going to start with one of my pieces, which is uh, a novel that's in preparation for publication. So the novel is called Plenum, the First Book of Dale, and I don't want to give away too much of the plot, but uh, for the first part that I'm going to be reading, um, the character has been traveling from her home at the Annex, which is a... Uh, how would you describe it? Uh, not a space station. No, it's exactly. a space platform, actually. Mm-hmm. Where people to... live. Um, to a, a very different space platform. So hmm. it's a moon kind, lunar kind of environment. Yeah, and the second one is called The Yard. So here it is. The Yard was only five light years from the Annex. But even so, the airship would attain a speed about 90% light speed for most of the trip. Acceleration would remain low, however. Within the nebula, the ramjet had access to a high density of particles to support acceleration and deceleration. Indeed, there were, if anything, too many particles rather than too few. With a time dilation of 50%, the trip took a little over 30 hours at a tempo of 800. Many passengers set their tempo much lower, but Vanu left hearers at Humorn, that is, 800, at first. Although Xi had looked at this view all here life, Xi found the idea that they were actually moving even such a short distance within the star cluster to be exciting. She did end up tired of the scenery after about four hours, and so set here tempo to the recommended 10,000. This actually turned out to be as interesting, because now the nebula became a swirling basin of movement. The time whizzed by, and she had to act quickly to reset her tempo upwards after the arrival warning sounded, so as not to miss the docking procedures. The yard was not a space platform like the annex, but rather an extensive architecture constructed around a small planetoid. The rock, as its residents named it, was some 50 kilometers in diameter. This was still small compared to the size of the annex, but of course the surface area of the rock was actually large, and the folding architectural structures that embraced it extended the surface area by many orders of magnitude. Naively, one would have expected vertical structures pinned onto the rock, but the yard was structured horizontally rather than vertically. Instead of spires, it consisted of folded sheets through which poked the rounded sections of the rock. It had slightly more gravity than a true microgravity environment, but at humoran tempo, Objects still settled quickly enough to notice. If you left things floating, they floated downwards at a stately pace, but the oblique angle of the sheets often made the downwards direction something other than the apparent vertical. So I picked this section because I really think it showcases one of the the, the really cool things in this novel, which is just how deeply you've thought about how people how people live in space. And you've got that wonderful idea of um, tempo, which is explained more fully in the rest of the novel, but where um, the limitations, the the challenges of of moving close to light speed 
and and of operating in space are actually uh, adapted to by adjusting the time that the the speed at which one lives yes yeah and not not just for living things but but inanimate objects are also inf- affected by yes this it's changed at the molecular level so mm-hmm. objects and yeah. people and cells and yeah and we get this this vanu your character is able to um, adjust it for herself to to change her own experience so um uh, she gets this, this wonderful uh, first she experiences at one tempo and then the other and the nebula becomes something totally different. It's it's such a, a strange and intriguing detail. Mm. And then the other detail that I, I think I had underlined several times on my first read through is that that one of the um, the gravity where you let something go and it does go down, but it goes to the side and so something familiar is made strange right and that's something that i really uh appreciate in writing is when it, it jolts me out of what i was expecting right. and it gives me something strange right. plus yeah. the gender differences right so yes the, yeah. this use of the term she mm-hmm. and here yeah. as the pronouns for somebody who's neither female nor male mm-hmm. and i have to work at it still i mean i've i've had uh, a lifetime of being trained to use male and female pronouns right and so they don't they don't yet roll off the tongue for me but they also um just and but for that reason they serve to make me look at it um differently right and that that's really that's special yeah so um i'm gonna move on to the next one <laughs> so um this Which is from the same piece right the it, same novel it is from the same novel and i think it comes um a little bit earlier in the novel, actually. Um, But you don't, again, you don't have to know much about the plot to understand it. So here we go. A life is like a large, sprawling edifice with a great many chambers, some of which are no longer used and others still undiscovered. Over a long life, we can expect to live at different times in entirely different wings of the structure. Our inner lives are often richer than most people credit. Indeed, we may never notice how much is going on within our inner environment. So much do we spend our time peering beyond the confines of our home. Dormant sections are no less influential than lived sections. Indeed, they may sometimes be more influential. The closet we hide from ourselves is far more potent than the one we know about, but keep hidden from others. However, maintaining awareness of all the dimensions of our inner home can can, in and of itself, pose a challenge. The longer we live, the more of a challenge it becomes. In this sense, immortality may be a psychological impossibility. In our childhood, we are seldom aware of the immensity of our inner chambers. The rooms we inhabit are often barred to us even a few years into our teen years. These, in turn, will become difficult to enter once we take on adult responsibilities. This is not so much because of the small stature of children. We may be physically small, but our inner lives as children and adolescents can be enormous. It is rather the immensity of these spaces that make them difficult to access. We learn to compartmentalize our lives, creating large numbers of small, hollowed-out spaces, like the chambers of a nautilus shell. And then we discover that large spaces are not only uncomfortable, they have become unbearable. Indeed, much of the movement we undergo over the course of our lives seeks to keep the unbearable at bay. 
This is why we compartmentalize. Children do compartmentalize, but the process is different. Given the large internal spaces in which they live, it is the often troubled period of our adolescence that we learn to compartmentalize the way adults do. So in this one, you do something quite daring. The plot has been proceeding. We've been finding about, out about Vanu's hopes and dreams. And you take a few paragraphs and you just embark on this beautiful, elegant analogy and you follow it all the way through. Um, and I find it lovely, just in, a, in, a, in an aesthetic sense. It's beautiful. But it also has something that I often seek out when I'm, when I'm reading. I, I do want to encounter wisdom. I want to, to learn new things. Learn seems to imply that I'm learning factual knowledge, but I want, I want to encounter wisdom is the best word that I have for it. And, and I think that is present in, in these paragraphs. The idea of, of childhood is actually larger than adulthood immediately struck a chord with this sort of resonated in a way that I knew that was true um, as I read it. Mm. And of course it does slow the story down. So it, it, mm -hmm. it, this section, which is outside of the story, yeah. uh, takes the story which is moving forward and mm -hmm. then kind of allows you to sit for a moment. Yeah. Uh, and so people, and that's intentional. Right? Yeah, so. people will tell you not to do, I think there's a lot of conventional wisdom that you should never, um, that, that, that stories should go faster and faster, but uh, but then we would lose No, and, these and, and you know, I, I, I write the stories I would like to read. And yeah. So mm -hmm. those are things that I look for in a book, so mm -hmm. why not put them into the books I write? I'm reading, yeah, I'm reading for, I'm reading for pleasure. It's not that I want my pleasure to go by faster. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, it now strikes me as we're talking that there's an analogy to your idea of tempo, um, that sometimes it's appropriate to go at a, a higher tempo and sometimes it's, it's appropriate to, to go at a slow, lower. Slow it down. Mm -hmm. yeah. Both of them have... Although tempo has this flip thing because the faster, the slower you make your experience of time, mm -hmm. the faster the real world seems to move in relation to that. Yes. And so you have this inversion of mm -hmm. the time going on as yeah. well. There's a cost to it. The best, yeah. the best stories about powers show the cost of the power, yeah. I think. Yeah. So that's pretty intriguing. Okay. So as what often happens with these episodes, we realized when we started to cut together the video footage that we had more than one episode's worth of material. Yeah. So um, we are concluding this episode at this point and picking up the reading uh, uh, the, on, on the next occasion. So um, if you like what you're seeing, don't forget to uh, subscribe to our um, YouTube channel, Writing Off the Deep End. Yeah, we heard some excerpts from Jeffrey's work this time. And next time we'll hear Mary's some will of be Mary's. In the next. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.